Welcome to No Ordinary Ordinary Women, Women, the podcast where two ordinary broads chat about extraordinary women, the good, the bad, and the batshit crazy. (laughs) I beat you to it, Rose. You're a dumbass. (laughs) I totally got distracted. (laughs) I know. My beauty distracts you. It does. It really does. That's okay. I'll do it by myself. Now I just get paid more. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to double your salary. (laughs) Hi, guys. Hey, we're back. We're back. Oh, no. Last time we were back. Last time we were back? I mean, we put out an episode today. Oh, that's true. (laughs) Well, in our minds. Yeah. We just had a a week off. So, um, yes. Feeling refreshed and got a lot done in the yeah, studio. In Lynn the house. did an amazing job in our studio. I she laid down carpet. Some new rug. Yeah, I'm I'm best. Oh, look at that gap right there from the door. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, it so looks really good. Though. I'm a woman of many talents. She did a very. I can good lay job. a serious rug. She really can. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but so how's your week been, Rose? Um, it's been really good. You know that craziness after you come back from vacation? Oh, yeah. So I don't know. Kinda... I wouldn't know. I haven't been on one forever. <laughs> it's kind of flown by. Um, How's your week been? Um, it's been good. It's been busy, 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 but it's been good. Um, I got a lot of stuff done around my house, like, this past week. Just, like, cleaning and... Oh, that's nice. Because um, I wasn't working on my story, so I was cleaning, like, just getting a lot of stuff done. Got a lot of stuff posted on our buy nothing and... Anyway, so it was it was nice. I was very happy. I love having a clean house. I know. It feels so good. I had my mom and my sisters over for my mom's birthday this weekend, and we had some yummy appetizers and wine. It was very nice. Oh, so sweet. I'm such a good girl. You are. Yes. You're so good. You're such a good girl. And that's about it. Yeah. That's about it. Not a lot more to talk about there. Just pretty boring. Oh, stuff. So we're going to um, try a new... Format this week. Yep. We're going to try Rose telling... is going to do all the work and Lynn's just going to look pretty. That's not new. <laughs> <laughs> same old, same old. No. Same old shit, never no. day. We're going to um, try doing one story each, each week and see if we can, so we can dive in a little more and get more information. Yeah. Because we felt like we weren't telling the stories how we wanted to tell them. As well as we wanted to tell them, because we didn't have enough time to research. Right. So now we some have... of us have to like edit the podcast, and we have like little kids. Some of us don't have to edit and don't have little kids, and I don't know what she does. And works but... two jobs, and uh, has a whole house to maintain, and mow her lawn by herself. I just mowed my lawn by myself. I don't believe you. I did. Well, that's your dumb fault. You have a husband and a son there to mow the lawn, and you did it yourself. I actually like mowing the lawn. <laughs> I don't, really. I mean, I don't mind, actually. I don't mind. But I have Penelope, and she's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) She's a lot of work. She's a lot of work. No. But, yeah. But, yeah, we're going to try this out, see if it works any better, if we can get... We'll give it a couple weeks. Yeah. And um, maybe we'll put out a little poll. Not that anyone's going to respond to it, because our fans don't love us. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Katerina does, and Joanne does. Well, my my mom liked our post or shared it or whatever, so we'll see. But we're still waiting. We need you guys to... We're trying to get to a goal so Lynn can go to the beach for a free weekend. You guys. So you have to go in and... I don't know who's paying for that. You are? You said you would. Am I? Yeah. Oh, okay. Good God, Rose. Did you forget you were drunk, weren't you? (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure I was. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, yes. Um, I want to give a little shout out. And this is going to be a week late, but... um, you can go back and look at our stories. Our friend Ellen Marsh, um, she's our bestie, but she doesn't know it yet. And she um, is raising money for an LGBTQ organization in Texas, which if anybody needs uh, somebody to provide yeah, rights no and services to LGBTQ people, it would be in Texas um, and Florida. But anyway, um, we posted some stuff today on by, you know, buying little bracelets and earrings and such there and they're absolutely adorable so if you want to donate to that that's great so you can look back on our stories yeah or not in our stories on our posts it was in a uh, yeah i mean it was in a post i feel like it's pretty um what do, how, what do i want to say pretty heroic to set up an lgbtq center in oh yeah texas in well, El yeah Paso. It's, it's it's i mean it's needed though 
Oh, I mean, I mean it it's is definitely needed. needed but imagine it's... like how. I imagine it could be a little scary. scary at times. I agree. Yeah. Um, but it's it is good for for LGBTQ people to be able to the community to be able to go and feel safe, and have a safe place right. to go to. Even though so, they are right in the middle of America. It's called oh Broadland. Was it Broadland? I no. I can't remember. That's not the name of it. No. Um, it's in El Paso, Texas. And it is in... Borderline Rainbow Center. Borderline. Borderland Rainbow Center. Oh, my God. I put the wrong name in our post. You put Borderline? Pete. I'll edit oh it right God. now. Is it Borderland? You sure? Yes. Well, maybe the person I copied it from that reposted it wrote it wrong. B-O-R-D-E-R Land Rainbow Center. Oh, fuck a duck. All right. I just think it. This is why I get so mad at Lynn. Shut up. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I was trying. I was quite literally doing this while I was doing 17 other things today. <laughs> and you kept texting me, ding, 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 the whole time. And I was like, ah! And my phone was ringing and yeah. Well, think so. about how Chris feels every day of his life when I'm texting him and he just ignores me. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Which is not nice. So. You know, I just get on these tangents and I have to like do all these things and ask you a million questions. Of course. Why wouldn't you? It's just how my mind works, Len. Yeah. Everybody should drop everything all the time just yes. for you. And Duh. if you don't answer within like 20 seconds, I'm like, what the fuck? Where are you? <laughs> I know. I know. I'm such a bad friend. What's happening? I know. All right, Rose, tell me who you're talking about. I don't even know. All right. So I'm not talking about one woman. I'm talking about many women. Okay. Um, I'm going to talk about the Highway of Tears. Oh, that's right. I think we kind of talked, discussed that. that last week, maybe, maybe the week before. I think it was last week. Um, we briefly discussed it. We didn't know what it was called or whatever, but right, yeah, that got me thinking, and yeah. I wanted to wanted to dive more into it, learn more for myself, and also educate people on it a little more. Cool. All right. So in the 19th century, there were more... Hold on. Let me make sure I'm recording. Mm, that's pretty important. <laughs> it's really hot in here. Are you hot? It is a little bit hot. I'm like... I'm like it's like all warm and it's making me Lynn sleepy. Lynn did a lot of work in here, but she didn't install a fan. No, there... <laughs> I don't know if that would help. I mean, I could open the door, but that <laughs> yeah. kind of defeats the purpose defeats of having a studio. Purpose, yeah. <laughs> All right. So anyway, in the 19th century, there were more than 125,000 indigenous people living in British Columbia. But by 1929, the indigenous population was down to just 22,000. That's so 100,000 less. So I just heard something on a podcast I was listening to today uh-huh. about what they call indigenous people in Canada. They don't call them indigenous. They, there's another name for them. Was everything you read, did they call them indigenous? Or no, you, I know what you're, you're talking about. Um, they call them... I mean, not, not to like correct you, but I was like, oh, no, I no. never knew that. And so They it, do call them indigenous people, but they also call them... Um, First Nations? Yes, First yeah. Nation. Yeah, because I, I was like... And I do say that and I'll talk about that. Okay, so they, uh, the podcast I was listening to today, they had done a podcast a couple weeks ago and they people send in like corrections and updates uh-huh. to things they may say. And somebody told her and she's like, I had no idea. Oh, so, they, so it was kind of cool. That's weird because all the articles I read referred to them as... Well, in, I think it's indigenous people is like... They're indigenous to the area. Right. 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 So it's, it's I think, different. Well, yeah, but he, this person was um, First Nation. Okay. Is that what it's First called? First Nations, yeah. First Nations. And so he corrected how they use the term and stuff. And so okay. I thought it was kind of cool. It's just something I never knew. So well, you could have told me that before I started this. Sorry, so. Rose. Do you want to back up and start over? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> just thought it was interesting. Um, and so the majority of the the... First Nations people died from diseases that were brought over by the white men, like smallpox and measles and whatnot. Imagine that. Yeah. So in 1876, the Indian Act was introduced, which dictated the social, political, economic, spiritual, and physical lives of the First Nations and created reservations that forced them onto small pieces of land. (sighs) 
That was in 1876. And this was in British Columbia, right? Yeah. Okay. Then the government created residential schools, which ripped indigenous children away, or I'm sorry, First Nations children away from their homes and sent them away to schools where, as we know, they were physically, emotionally, verbally, sexually, and spiritually abused. Ugh, yeah. Um, The story you did, um, that that, that was in Canada too, wasn't it? The one that you did about that teacher? Weren't they Is it in Kala Shaw? No, she was here. She was in South oh, Dakota. Okay, I'm sorry. I keep interrupting you. Sorry. We all know you have a problem with that. I know, Rose. <laughs> I'll take it back right now. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> so the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, which is just their police department, RCMP, enforced the law. And when parents wouldn't follow it, they would go and, and take them to jail. And I imagine they do other things to them. You know, I'm sure they, like, beat Mm. them or whatever. Um, And it's estimated that 150,000 Inuit and First Nations people or children attended residential schools between the 1870s and 1996 when the last schools were closed. 1996. That's crazy. And You said 1996? Yeah, 1996. Oh, my God. It was like yesterday. Open for more than 100 years in British Columbia. And as we know from other stories I've covered, that a ton of children died in these schools. Mm -hmm. Right. And so so I just wanted to give that background so you you can kind of see why, kind of why this, why these people, um, the First Nations people are in poverty and... Mm -hmm how the system treats them, how the police treat them, um, just just to give some background, you know. All right, so let's talk about the Highway of Tears. It is a 450-mile corridor along Highway 16 between Prince George and Prince Rupert in British Columbia, Canada, which has been the location of many missing and murdered Indigenous women beginning in 1970. And the nickname was coined during a vigil held um, in British Columbia in 1998 by Florence Nazell, who was talking about the victims' families and how they were crying over their loved ones. And so they came up, she came up with the name Highway of Tears. Mm. Um, and it's not just indigenous women that went missing. It's also, you know, like white women and whatnot, but majority are indigenous. Mm-hmm. According to the RCMP, the number of victims is fewer than 18, okay? That's the police. While Aboriginal organizations estimate the number to be around 40 or higher. So, yeah, you can see how they, I mean, 18 is probably the white women that went missing. Right. Yeah, probably. You're probably absolutely correct on that. And this isn't like one serial killer going around killing people. It's... Um, there were like two serial killers, I think, that they found, but mm-hmm. um, it's a lot of it's just individual cases. And they don't rest, they didn't investigate them because they didn't care. Exactly. They're like, exactly. oh, it's just you know an indigenous person. Yeah. we're not going to investigate. They it. absolutely oh, yeah. did not care. It's so sad. In all of these cases, That's, I can't even imagine being a mother or a sister or a daughter or whatever related to somebody in this situation and just being like the frustration of them not doing anything yeah. about. So I'm going to tell Your you about three three of the women that went missing. But I think in all three cases, the family started the search. Mm. And then the RCMP followed or, like, started helping out or mm. whatever. Um, and a lot of it is, you know, they attribute the issue to, like, poverty, drug abuse, domestic violence, mm-hmm. um, children that are placed in foster care and, and their homes are broken, you know. Um, and a lot of that comes from the residential schools and the way these people were treated in Mm -hmm. the past. And, you know, someone's in a residential school and then they grow up and they have all this trauma and they become alcoholics and then they have kids and then they pass that on. And it's just, yeah. and because of poverty, a lot of the people around there are walking and hitchhiking. Mm-hmm. And so they're going out to Highway 16 and hitchhiking to get somewhere to work or visit family or whatever. 
or they're walking and they get abducted. Yeah, they just disappear. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And because it's like a large remote area, the um, women are easy to hide. Mm -hmm. They can easily take them out into a field and bury them or throw them out somewhere and the animals will eat them, you know? Yeah, it's not, yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about Jean Virginia Sampar, Samper, who also went by Ginny. She was Jitsen descent and was she was the youngest of six children. And Ginny was like really quiet and shy, but she was very caring. Like she loved to to play with her sibling because she was one of the older ones and her parents were super strict and made sure the kids like always, you know, were home by a certain time and did their homework and they weren't allowed to just do whatever they wanted. And she was super responsible. Like your kids? Yeah. (laughs) Running all over the neighborhood. (laughs) Like animals. So in high school, she worked at a um, salmon canning plant, Mm -hmm. which two of these women worked at salmon canning plants. Oh, wow. Or girls, um, which is, I guess, pretty common up there. Right. My brother, Chad, actually worked for... Like a year or a summer on a fishing boat off of, off of Alaska. Oh wow! He said it was like super hard. Oh my gosh, I that's th- like. I think he was like uh, found out he was like allergic to something or something happened and he had to to leave. That is really it's really good money, but it's insanely yeah. hard work. Have you ever seen that like on TLC or whatever? Yeah, I have. Chris oh my god, it. that's insane. That yeah. looks, and it looks. Oh my god, the way they all smoke Miserable. It grosses me out. <laughs> I know, and unhealthy. <laughs> it's so awful. <laughs> so like, true. Like in that boat in that little teeny cat, like the captain's area, and they're yeah. all like right. What is that called? The stern? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, they're right there and like all packed in there, and they're all smoking. I'm like, oh, oh my god. So all that to say that she was very responsible. She wasn't like a risk taker or anything. So on Thursday night, October fourteenth, nineteen seventy one. That's sometime, Mary's birthday. Who's? That's my sister's birthday. Oh, I thought you said your parents. I was like, what? They have the same birthday? <laughs> no, my sister birthday. Seventy one. No, no, no. Later, a little bit later. Um, sometime, sometime between ten and eleven, Ginny's sister-in-law remembered seeing her at her mom's house, at Ginny's mom's house, and she was like really upset and like stormed out of the house. She, and she was a teenager, you know. She stormed mm-hmm. out of the house. She was mad about something, and her sister-in-law tried to go after her. And her mom's like, "Just let her go. Like mm-hmm. she's gonna blow off steam, and she'll come back." So Jenny went and met up with her cousin Alvin, I guess who he lived close by. And they went out and they were hanging out on a bridge on Highway 16 mm-hmm. and, you know, just being teenagers. like. And so Alvin was like, oh, um, it was really cold. And Alvin was like, I'm going to run back to my house and grab a jacket because mm-hmm. it's really cold. So he, his house was like right there. They weren't very far. So he runs back. And as he's coming back, he hears... A door, car, a car door slam, and he's like, "What the hell?" So he like hurries up to the bridge, and nobody's there. Jenny's gone. There's no car, nothing. Nothing's there. Like nothing of hers is left. Ooh. And so he runs back to Jenny's house and tells her mom. And for some reason, they wait till the next day to report her missing. I don't know if they thought maybe she was mad and saw like a friend and right and left with them. Right, they didn't want her to get in trouble for running away. Yeah, right. And I'm sure they weren't, like, thrilled about calling the police. Yeah. Um, so they, the village where they lived initiated a search, and then the RCMP joins, like, a day later. Mm-hmm. And they have a police dog and officers and stuff, and they all um, get, like, a ton of volunteers, and they have, like, a, a center set up that they can all come and meet and, and send out volunteers. And they search all the bushes and banks around the Skeena River. And the family even went to, like, Vancouver and Toronto and mm-hmm. did, like, spot searches. Mostly based on um, tips that they were receiving. Uh-huh. Like, oh, we saw her here, or she might be here, or whatever. How old did you say she was again? She was... 13? I can't remember what you said. Did you say 13? No, she wasn't 13. I don't know. I don't, I don't have it written down. Okay. But I think she was, like older teen okay she wasn't i don't okay. think she was yeah she was 18 okay so hold on, i lost my place now. oh so yeah she's 18 so that changes it a little bit unfortunately right, yeah 
even though it really shouldn't. So her family, of course, was like, she wouldn't have run away because she's just not that kind of person. Mm -hmm. It'd be like Joseph running away. Right. Yeah. Like, I I can't imagine that. He just doesn't have that personality. Right. So um, the cops are basically like, yeah, she was mad. She ran away. You know, she's being a teenager. Mm -hmm. Get over it. So in 1985, Rod goes in to, like, check on the case, and they say that the case is closed. And Closed? Yeah. And he somehow sees the case file. Oh, okay. And sees, like, what it's, like, a part of the case file and what it says. And he sees that it says a man named Kenny Russell saw her footprints next to the river. And so the RCMP just concluded that she walked into the river and killed herself. What? Yeah, that or like drowned or something, oh and so they closed. And, the but case. they never and they never told the parents this. They never told the parents. Never told any of the family, and I don't think they did any like actual searching themselves. You know, mm. and so Rod, of course, knew that was bullshit, and he and the family fought, and they got the case reopened. And in two thousand and six, the RCMP was looking into Robert Picton, who was a Canadian serial killer. And they requested DNA from Ginny's siblings, but nothing ever came of that. And nothing has happened in her case since 2006. And it's still open. So she actually was the third known woman to go missing along the Highway of Tears. Tracy Clifton and Helen Claire Frost went missing in 1970. And they were likely the first women to go missing on the Highway of Tears. Um, But there was not much information about them at all. So now I'm going to tell you about Alberta Williams. She's the 11th documented woman to go missing. Good grief. And she and her sister Claudia decided to move to Vancouver in the summer of 1989. They got jobs at the cannery and they were going to just have a fun summer, just the two of them. Mm -hmm. They were like older teens, young 20s. And they had a great summer. They like hung out, partied, not not too much. They weren't like party girls, but they like you and me. Yeah, not like not like us. <laughs> Nobody can hold a candle to us, Rose. <laughs> hold on, we didn't talk about our drinks. Oh, Rose. So tonight we wanted something <laughs> Why light. Did she say it like that, <laughs> Rose. Oh, Rose. Oh, Rose. So tonight, I uh, Rose wanted something light, and I really just haven't been in the mood to drink lately. So I was very glad to make it something light. So I have a soda stream, so I make my own seltzer, which I love. And my last order of uh, the CO2 canisters, I got a free um, bottle of flavor, which I typically don't like. But this flavor um, is for us. It's like flavored seltzer. So it's not like a syrupy, you know, and there's like no calories in it. And so this is watermelon strawberry. It's really good. It's super yummy. And I didn't. I think I added less than you're supposed to because I don't like really sweet and syrupy. Yeah. So it's just a little bit yeah, of that. Yeah, it's clear. Yeah, and it's a little <laughs> bit pink if you look at the it is, whole yeah. bottle. Yeah. Well, the last glass was pink, but this one is pink. I might have put too much. And then mixed it with Bacardi rum for just a little refreshing. It's really good. Summertime cocktail. And it's because it's hot as hell here all today. It is. It's like We went from winter to summer. I quite it's literally 86. had my heat on. And the very next day had my air on. And then the day after that, I had my heat on at night and my air on during the day. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is insane. <laughs> I know. That's what we've been doing, too. Yeah. So Yeah, yesterday, Charlotte came home from school and she had a, like a little bit of a sunburn. And I was like, oh, God, I guess we had to start putting some sunscreen. sunscreen. Yeah. I sat outside and worked on, um, did some work. Like I got some, most of my work done yesterday. And then at the end of the day, the last like hour of the day. I sat outside in the sun, yeah. but I put the umbrella over like from my waist up, so my face wasn't getting sun, and my um, computer was in the shade, and I was working on just like email so stuff. So you're tanning your legs? So I was tanning so my legs, so you won't say anything about my white legs. They, they look, look a little bit darker. So I just, yeah, I mean, it was like an hour, but I definitely felt it, and I also, which was weird, felt it on my face when I went to work. I was putting some makeup on before work last night, and I felt I it, and I was, it like, was like the reflection, like reflection yeah. or something. Oh, that's interesting. I was like, that's so weird, but yeah. But yeah, it is nice that it's like warm out and we yeah. can be outside and not. Yeah, we'll have to do a recording outside, not. <laughs> <laughs> so that's our cocktail for the week. Every time I go outside, I get attacked by like the bees and stuff. Yeah, there's a bee that, one bee, I don't know if it's like a wood bee or like one of those 
it just flies around the whole time sitting it's out on so the porch. It's so irritating. It just is flying around the whole time. And it, like, comes really close and yeah. it just sits there and, like, hovers looking at my face. And I'm like, I know I'm beautiful, but it's probably the paparazzi. <laughs> it's probably some sort of drone camera. Yeah, it's like a little bee drone. Yeah, it's a bee drone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. All right. So, uh, okay. Back, back to, to my serious story. story. And we're giggling. We shouldn't be giggling. So... Their last weekend in Vancouver on Octo- August 25th. Which month, Rose? Pick a month. August. October. 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 They went to a pub with a bunch of the people that they had befriended at the cannery. Mm-hmm. And the last time that her sister ever saw her was when Alberta came up to her, like came up behind her and was like, Claudia, um... We're going to this house party. Come with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and Claudia turned like back to look at her sister and then turned back to look in front of her at someone to say something. And by the time she turned back around, it was just like a second. Uh-huh. Alberta was gone and the whole like table of people that was sitting there were gone. Holy crap. Yeah. And so um, she didn't know where they went or what happened. So she never saw her again after that. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was the last time she saw her. Oh, my God. That had to be horrible. Like, she had to be just, you know, she she played that over and over oh my and over God. in her mind. Forever. I, Still. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Oh, poor So, um, on September 5th, 25th of the same year, they found her body about oh. 22 miles east of Prince Rupert. And investigators said that she was sexually assaulted and strangled. Oh, good grief. And Claudia is pretty sure that she knows who killed her sister. Oh, no. There was this guy um, that they had met when they were up there. Mm -hmm. And he was just really weird and really liked Claudia, her sister Claudia. And would bother her all the time and would, like, harass her about her boyfriend. Like, um, you know, is that your boyfriend? And ask her weird questions and um, try to, like abduct her one time, like, drove up next to her and was like, get in my car right now. And and she just was able to, like, run off. And, oh, my God. And, yeah. And I guess she never, like, told the police or anything right. until Alberta went missing. Well, because what year is this? 1989. Yeah. So back then, I mean, this is like... Back then, you just send it for yourself. Oh, yeah. For like, sure. you didn't, stuff like this didn't get reported. Yeah. Like, a man harassing you like that, that was normal. Right. That's true. And it was, you know, yeah. uh, it, disgustingly, it was normal. So, you didn't report something like that. You just dealt with it. And you're like, That's oh, true, God, yeah. him again. There was not like stalking and harassment kind of things. Well, I remember when I lived in Seattle, I don't know if I ever told this story before, but um, when I lived in Seattle, I lived on. A road, like not in a great neighborhood. There were like on the main road, there were like porn shops and those. Um, Is that where you worked? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are those sh- those store those places where you can go in and watch like exotic movies? Oh, like peep shows. Yeah, those. There those... were like a bunch of. They were not called peep shows, but no. they were called something. But they had like the yeah. blacked out windows uh-huh. and stuff. There were a bunch of those. Like it was kind of a oh, creepy great, place, great area. And I would have to walk down there. And catch the bus. And oh, God. A lot of the time, so I got up, I worked at Ross, dressed for less, yeah. um, in downtown Seattle, and I have to catch the bus and because I, I didn't have a car. And so um, I'd get up at like four, and I think I had to be there at like five because I like unloaded the truck, helped unload the truck. So, you drove a forklift? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That would have been not a lot of fun. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but she would have killed people, I'm no, that sure. That would have been fun. <laughs> um, and so so anyway, one time I was I was walking home, and it was like in the afternoon. I got off at like 2 or something because I got mm-hmm. to work so early. And this guy pulls up next to me, and, and it wasn't that far. It was probably like half a mile from the bus stop to my house. Mm-hmm. And this guy pulls up next to me. He's like, hey, um, like you got a boyfriend or something? And I was like, yeah. Or he was like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, going home. And he's like, you got a boyfriend? I was like, yeah, he's at home. He's waiting for me. And I lived with my brother at the time, and uh-huh. nobody was home. Ew, your boyfriend was your brother? <laughs> Shut up. <That's> so gross. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, I was hoping you were going to So he was, that. like, creeping along, talking to me, and I, like, had that, you know, that feeling Ew, you get. Yeah. You, I think all women know that feeling where yeah. you're like, oh, my God, I'm in danger. The hair in the back of your neck is like... And, 
So I get to this point, like right before my house, there was like a small apartment building and there was like a um, underground parking lot. Mm-hmm. And so I get like near there and there were like stairs that went down in the front. Uh-huh. And so as we were getting near there, he he was like asking me to get in his car. And I was like, no, I'm not getting in your car. And was like, no, I got to go home, you know. And he stops the car all of a sudden and like jumps out and starts like coming around the car. And I fucking bolted and I went down. I had never been under that. Uh huh. Um, parking lot. Like, I didn't know where it went, but yeah. I was able to like run under the parking sh- lot, um, run through the parking lot, and then there was an alley behind our house, uh-huh. and run back through the alley and run into my gate, and hid. There was like a um, studio out in in our yard, and I hid behind it. And he came around and came back through the alley. Like I heard him driving by, and I was oh like hiding. God. And I knew my brother wasn't home because he worked later than I did. And I was fucking terrified. Oh, my God. Your heart. I bet you could, like, hear your heart. Yeah. And I went in the house and, like, didn't turn anything on and was, like, hiding for until my brother got home because I was so fucking terrified. Oh, my God. That's awful. Like, I know that feeling of, like, somebody trying to, you know, take – and I didn't report it to anyone because I I didn't get any information. Like, I couldn't tell you what the guy looked like. I couldn't tell you what kind of car he had. I know it was like an older, like, Cadillac-looking car. Yeah, but you were so traumatized. Would you? And I was trying to get away. Like, I wasn't like, oh, let me look at your car. Because there was nobody out at that time. Everybody was at work. And I knew I was all alone. I think I went in and called uh, my friend and had him come over because I was so scared. Anyway, I didn't get abducted. That could have ended very differently and we wouldn't have this podcast. No, we wouldn't have this podcast. Actually, you... Might have this podcast with someone else talking about me. What Probably not, there? because Chris is the one that got me into podcasting. Oh yeah, and there'd be no Chris. There'd be no Chris. Well, there would be a Chris. There would be Chris. Yeah, but he wouldn't <laughs> you be wouldn't in my know life. Him. <laughs> no. Anyway, so that guy was at the same pub, and he kept trying to talk to uh, to Claudia all night. Uh. And Claudia was like ignoring him and trying to get away from him. You know that uncomfortable thing you do. And at some point, she sees him talking to Alberta, her sister. And she was like, oh, shit, you know? Mm-hmm. So she thinks that he is the one who did something to Alberta. And he still, she still sees him, like, around town oh and knows God. his name and knows him and has told the police about him. But they just told her, like, don't talk to anyone about the case, about him. Like, don't tell anyone his name or anything. And But they're not doing anything. Why? Is his dad a cop? I'm, oh, I'm sure there's something oh, for the like, love of or Pete. you know, we don't want to investigate, so don't be going out there telling people about this because it'll make us look bad. I'd be like, you make me shut up, bitch. Because I'm sure they'll go to that. Somebody would go to that guy and say, you know, oh, you know, have the police come to talk to you? And he'd be like, no, police never gave him well, talk to me. I could see if they said we're looking into it. Don't say anything right now. We want to surprise him, or we want to, you know, mm-hmm. before he tries to hide anything. But if they're just saying don't say it, and then they don't do anything no, about it. No, this was in 1989, and they've done nothing. Oh my god. So, Alberta and her sister had none of the risk factors that were normal for a lot of the women that went missing. Mm-hmm. Um, both of their parents worked. They had never attended residential schools. They didn't have any, like, um, involvement with child welfare. They never did drugs or mm-hmm. alcohol. Like, they had alcohol on occasion. but um, And they were just, you know, two girls, and they were being safe. They were together. They lived together. They went everywhere together. And this still happened in, like, the blink of an eye. And they've never solved her case. Mm, mm. So she was, like, the 11th person. So I tried to do, like, one in the beginning, one in the middle, and then one recent one. So Jessica Patrick is the last one we're going to talk about. Both of their parents were alcoholics, and her and her brother were taken away by by Mm. family services and put in foster care when she was just seven. Oh, my gosh. Her father, Mike, this was like his wake-up call. He mm-hmm. got his shit together, stopped drinking, got a house, furnished it, oh, filled, the, filled the refrigerator with food, and went to a social worker and was like, this is what I did. I'm ready to get my kids back. And she was like, too bad. You're not getting them back. Oh, for Christ's sake. They wouldn't not give them back to him. Um, and she said if he – he was like, well, I'm going to go and take them then. And she's like, well, I'll call the RCMP and you'll get arrested. And so his kids would call him all the time and from the, be like, daddy, please come get us. And, and he would just have to be like, you have to stay strong. Oh, my God. And, 
God knows what was happening to the kids, you know? Yeah. And I'm sure they did. They do that on purpose to take the kids away from these um, First Nations people to put them in white families and try to, like, yeah. rip them of their culture or strip them Ugh. of their culture. So for several years, they went between foster homes and members of extended family. Be different but, if they. I mean, I'm sorry, to interrupt. No, okay. But it'd be different if they had been adopted or were living with like a really great family and they were doing super well, you know. And and I'm not saying it's still okay to be away from their father like that. But if they're bouncing around from foster care to foster yeah, care, yeah, right. Like, let him why? have them back. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Like, it's not like they're doing any better in foster care, right? If they were in a place where they were thriving and yeah. they were doing well, and I could see them saying, you know. You know, you still don't have any money to raise them, you know, but they should have given him visitation and let him right. be in their yeah. life, you know. And he did what he was supposed to do. I right. mean, he got clean and he mm. got a house and was able, going to be able to provide for them. I just can't even imagine. But they didn't give a shit. So when she was 14, they finally allowed her to move back with her dad. And he said she was like a super happy, like outgoing kid. And Aww. she didn't seem, the only issue she had was... um her mom was still an alcoholic, and she was homeless, living mm-hmm. in, like, downtown Smithers, the town they live in. Mm-hmm. And um, she really had trouble with that. I mean, she yeah. missed her mom. and That's you know, hard. I mean. Especially, like, as a kid, knowing that your mom's, like, sleeping in the street and right. stuff like that. That has to be really rough. Yeah. And, and being ripped away from your mom. Like, she was an alcoholic, but I don't know. It didn't say that she was abusive or anything, mm-hmm. so I don't know if she was. Maybe just negligent. Yeah. You know, I'm sure she still loved her, you know. Yeah. So at some point, Jessica moved out of her father's house and had a baby. Um, when I think she had a baby at 17. So she mm-hmm. didn't live with her father very long. Right. Before she moved out. Um, and so in August of 2018, Mike went to meet Jessica and her 18 month old daughter, Alaya. And some of the other family members um, at a fair in their town. And during that visit, Mike was like, Jessica, why don't you move back home with me? I want to take care of you and Aliyah mm-hmm. and, you know, help you get back on your feet or whatever. And Aliyah was like, okay. I mean, Jessica was like, okay, I'm going to move back in with you. I'll see you in three days. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll get all my stuff and bring it over. But that was the last time he ever saw her. <sighs> On the night of August 31st, 2018, Jessica took Alaya to her aunt's house and said she was going to a party at Mountain View Motel, which was in town. Which, to me, sounds like a place you'd get an STD. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, any, a, a motel is not a great place to go to a party, unless you're in, like, high school. <laughs> you know what well, I mean? Well, like, not even, like, I, I, I can't even, the motels I've been in. Not great. <laughs> no, but they're used to... I remember when we were in high school, people would get a hotel room, somebody's older brother uh, or whatever. I guess that's probably what it was. Yeah. You're probably right. I didn't think about that. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Who's having a party at a motel? Yeah, we used to do that in high school sometimes. We never did that because we didn't have hotels where I grew up. You we, guys only had like... We lived in grass shacks. <laughs> yeah, but the, like the mo- t- the hotels in your... Not motels, but the hotels in Hawaii are so damn expensive. Nobody was getting them there. Yeah, and nobody had one. Well, I guess we would in like Waikiki. We'd go up and get a hotel. Yeah. But even there, I mean, they're very expensive. So... Yeah. Yeah, we're talking like a super ocho, you know. Yeah, right. When I used to talk to people on the internet when I was like a young teenager... When AOL, mm-hmm. there were like AOL oh, yeah, chat rooms. Yeah. You would not believe how many people th- were like, how are you in Hawaii talking to us? Like, you have electricity? They thought we, what, they think you're they literally Island? thought we lived in like grass <laughs> shots. Like, tons of people then. Oh my God. It was, you're like, well, the professor and the skipper. <laughs> <laughs> Mary Ann here. <sighs> I'm like, I'm the only one with a computer here. Yeah. We're really, we're, we're really, really rich. <laughs> So, um, the next day, Jessica didn't show up to pick up her daughter, and her family started to worry, but they kind of thought, like, maybe she stayed over at a friend's and just lost track of time. They're trying not to panic, but by the following day, her aunt called the police, because they were like, this is unlike her, something happened. Yeah. And the police were like, oh, she's probably still out partying, don't, (sighs) like, I wouldn't worry about it, we're not going to do anything. 
And so just like Jenny's family, Jessica's family, Jessica's aunt organized a ground surge. And Mike was working like an hour away in a town called Houston, which really confused me when I was writing this because I'm like, wait. <laughs> Houston. It Wait, said, did I miss that they went to Texas? <laughs> it said something about like him driving an hour from Houston to Smithers, and I was like, "Wait a second, they have to flip back." Really, <laughs> that's a long time. Um, and so he immediately he, he and his friend like immediately went to Smithers and started looking for, helping to look for Jessica. They drove like hundreds of miles between Smithers and the surrounding towns. And um, reservations looking for Jessica over, like, multiple days. I think, like, eight days. Mm. And they put up missing poster flyers everywhere. Um, But on September 15th, Mike got the call that they had found Jessica's body beneath an old spruce tree near a popular outlook on Hudson Bay Mountain. Mm. And so... About a week later, Mike, so this is kind of weird, Mike and his, um, a few other family members drove to Prince George, which was three hours away, to get Jessica's body from the medical examiner. But they, like, they went out to get her body. Isn't that weird? What? Probably because they couldn't afford to have it shipped. Like, not shipped, but... Like, brought over them. Brought, usually they bring it in, like, a, a hearse or whatever. Well, and... it said he, she, he said it was in a hearse, but he was in the hearse, like... Oh, he went with them. I've heard of that before. But like, I don't know. Yeah, maybe um, because what they did is they did a traditional burial. Uh-huh. So I'm wondering if maybe they had their own hearse. Like the reservation had their own hearse. And oh, they went maybe. Out and got yeah, her, that could be. Something like that. Yeah, that could be. But he was like in the car and could smell like the stench of like, oh, death. Oh, God. Like, no. That's awful. Yeah. But he said that... Um, Driving down, driving back to Smithers with Jessica, thousands of people came out onto the highway um, and were like, st- they stood shoulder to shoulder and to pay their respects to Jessica. Oh my God, and that just gives me oops bumps. He said, yeah, like he was like, even though like I had my daughter in the back, I realized how many people she brought together and Aww. it was like horrible, but it was also beautiful, you know? Yeah. Oh, my God, that had to be so emotional for him. I know. I Thanks can't. for giving me goosebumps all over my body. Now I need I to shave my legs again. <laughs> well, in this this um, actually really good article, it was like a six-part article um, I read, and I'll post. I can't remember where it's from, but I'll post it. He cried like multiple times. Oh, I'm sure. During like talking about this. So you like this. He joined the Crazy Indian Brotherhood, which is a motorcycle gang, uh-huh. and they protect women and children by patrolling the streets. Oh, right. And I love that. They wear these, like, tough-looking uniforms mm-hmm. to, like, intimidate people. Uh-huh. Um, and he's been, like, looking for Jessica's killer since she died. And um, it's never been solved, obviously. Jeez. So one of the big contributors to the murders on Highway of Tears is that they're building this natural gas pipeline. Mm-hmm. And it's 416 miles across British Columbia and Kitimat on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. And it's taken years because the tribes are, like, fighting against it right. because it's going through their reservations. Right. And it winds through 20 indigenous territories. And so there are 14 different labor camps along the route and they house about 1,000 men in each labor camp. And they're just transients. So, right. And so there's 14,000 men. And um, they call these man camps. And um, a lot of the communities have voiced concern over the effects that, like, these man camps are having on women and children. Mm-hmm. Because there's, like, violence and obviously this right. stuff going on. And in 2017, um, a few ind- indigenous groups released a report saying that they f- found a correlation between the presence of such camps and increased rates of sexual assault and violence against indigenous women, mm. along with higher rates of addiction, sexually transmitted infections, and family violence. So that's that's a big issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, for the, sure. The 
Um, pipeline's supposed to be done in 2023, but I don't know that it will be because of the delays they've had. Right. And the fighting against yeah. it, probably. Um, so it will be interesting to see once that's done if, if the numbers decrease or what happens, you mm-hmm. know. Um, in 2006, a group of indigenous women funded the first ever Highway of Tears awareness walk. And among them was Florence Nazelle, who was 71 at the time, and she was the woman that coined the term Highway of Tears. Oh, okay. Um, and she was walking in memory of her cousin, Tamara Ch- Chipman, who was 22 when she went missing in 2005. And she walked, she's 71, she walked 89 miles from oh Prince Rupert to the city of Terrace with others walking, other walkers taking over um, for the roughly 311 miles from Terrace to Prince George. There were dozens of walkers, but most of them were women and most of them were indigenous. Oh, my goodness. So that's the Highway of Tears. I I, I learned a lot. Like, I didn't know the... I knew about the Highway of Tears, but yeah. I never knew, like, the reason behind it, like, what was actually going on. Right. And I really think that pipeline is, like, a huge yeah. issue. It sounds like... I mean, you have a bunch of men that are transient, so they probably don't have families. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So they're just kind of... They're also on the road, so they're, like probably living in close quarters so and they're hard probably to find. and they're well, right and they're also probably horny because yeah. they probably drink every night oh yeah um and you know they're just like you know just not your ideal people you want in your town necessarily right. it's a, i mean a huge issue and, and a lot of these i was at a ted talk and there was an indian chief who's actually in congress and he was um he was talking about these pipelines and I think it was the remember the one that was like all the fights and problems that were coming I think it was like South Dakota or something yeah, like right. that so I he think was, that's still going on yeah so he was talking about it and I one thing I did not know is that these pipelines they go right through all this all these you know indigenous people's land yeah because they don't want to go through white people's land. Oh yeah. So for it's sure. so they so they they'll make it move to go through yeah. poor poor people not just indigenous but poor areas yeah. rather than go through right, wealthy areas. Yeah. And it's like such I was because like, they can oh, get the poor what? I was, the poor people to sell to them. Well, they don't even have to sell. They don't care. They're they're, they just they're riding it right through, they'll and they do don't they? give a shit. Yeah. They're just coming right through. They're like go right down the middle of the street. Oh my god. They don't care. And it's because rich people have money to fight against it yeah, and can hire lawyers to fight against it, but the poor people can't. Yeah, it's awful. And it's it's insane. It's like it blows your mind. I, I, I couldn't believe it. It was like the first time I'd ever heard of anything like that. And I was like just the fact that they would run it through a poor community right. or an indigenous community. It is community. amazing to hear things like this where you're just like. You know, you. I mean, you hear about it and you're like, oh, that can't be true. Like, that has to be. Well, as kids you know were, what I mean? Like, well, as kids were grown up, we're taught, you know, this is a great country. This is a great place to right. live. We and, all have yeah, rights. And, and as you become and, older, you kind of Yeah, realize. and you realize that it's, there's some really shitty stuff that happens. A lot of shitty stuff. And it's so sad. And so, yeah, I, I was shocked by that. I couldn't believe it. I was, that blew my mind. I know. And everyone talks about Canada. Like, it's this amazing place. And it's like. It's not. They're still, like, insanely racist and treating the First Nations people like shit. Well, Canada, still in general, the people are nicer in Canada than they are in the United States. Well, not the police. But they still have, right, they still have, (laughs) yeah. I mean, they they still have, yeah, the same issues that we do. A lot of the same issues. I I understand that. It's sad. And their their, um, residential schools went on longer than ours did. My God. That's insane. Right. I mean, to 1996. Good grief. That wasn't even that long ago. No. That was like two years ago. Two years? <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? That was when Casey was born. No, Casey was born in 97. So. Yeah. Rose, so, that was a good story, Rose. Very informational. Good. I liked it. I'm glad. So you guys give us a follow on our social media, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, No Ordinary Women Pod, and on Twitter at No Ord O R D Women Pod, and give Lynn's us a been shout doing out. Doing a good job posting stuff. 
I've been liking it. It's kind of fun. I'm learning some more. I, I, I yeah. It's it's frustrating but gratifying yeah. at the same time. So you've been doing a really good job. Thanks, Rose. I couldn't do it. Thanks, Rose. I yeah. tried to do a real once and I got like so irritated. <laughs> <laughs> it is a lot of. For, I mean, it shouldn't be as much work for me as it is, but yeah. I'm getting a little better each time, so a little better. I know you should. You would think it wouldn't be that hard, but when you're just old and yeah, I mean, I'm, I remember rotary phones, y'all. I <laughs> <laughs> now you're making reels. On now I'm making reels. <laughs> yeah, man. So all right. So um, please go. We would love it if you gave us a rating and a review on Apple or Spotify. Or Spotify. Yeah, either one. I mean, we're we're all about it. I mean, we we kind of promote Apple a little bit more just because more people listen on Apple, and so the ratings tend to help a little bit more. But if you're listening on Spotify, please go on there and uh, rate and review us. Um, on Apple, if you go to um, our show, if you're listening to our show, if you go up to the top with the three little bars, you click on that, and it'll say, Go to Show. And when you click on that, it'll, you know, our show will, sh- we're, will show up our little graphic. And then you scroll all the way to the bottom, like down past like several episodes. And that's where you'll see to rate interview us because it's not very intuitive. The first couple times I couldn't even find it. Oh, really? So, yeah. I mean, I was like, where is it? So if if you can rate us, you give us five stars. If you want to give us four, go to another podcast and give them four <laughs> and then give us five. Um, and then just leave a comment. Just, you know. I did it, or I love ya, or I hate ya. Whatever you want to say, just make sure you leave a comment because that's really important for the algorithm. Because um, Lynn wants to go to the beach, all expenses paid. Yeah, Lynn's gonna go to, go to the beach. Somebody's gonna pay all the expenses, and um, we're gonna do a little giveaway. And we are gonna do a giveaway. If we get what two hundred and fifty followers, two hundred followers, Apple. and fifty. 50 re- reviews. Reviews. So you guys do it, so and then we'll do a giveaway. We have a long and way to if go. we if we hit it pretty early, we'll probably do more than one giveaway. So yeah. So Rose is giving hand jobs. So anyway, that's. <laughs> Chris is like, what? What? Let me delete my review. <laughs> Chris just drove off the road. <laughs> All right, you guys. All right. Until See next, you next week. week. Bye. Bye.